Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, ladies, and happy Tuesday. I hope you are doing well. It has been a week. Last week, I missed our episode because I was totally down and out with a really brutal head cold and body aches and the whole thing, and it was no fun. And it's been about a week now. I feel a lot better. I've definitely gotten over the head cold and the body aches and all of that, thank God, because it's not fun when your nose is stuffed up and you can't breathe especially at night when you're trying to sleep and you're just so stuffed. I hate that feeling, especially I think because I'm a nose breather. I'm not a mouth breather. So breathing through my mouth for so long is just like, I can't do it. It's just so uncomfortable at night. So I know many of you are mouth breathers. This is definitely a podcast episode we're going to dive into in the future. And you have tried mouth taping. And so that's definitely something you can try. Gaytan is definitely a mouth breather. And he has tried mouth taping so that he could really retrain himself to breathe through his nose. But it's not easy because he used to fight. He used to be in like martial arts and kickboxing and all of that and being punched in the nose many times. He just really can't breathe through his nose. It's really hard. So he's tried the mouth taping, but like halfway through the middle of the night, he's pulled it off because he like literally can't breathe. So it's definitely a challenge for me. Like when my nose is stuffed, I just kind of look at him. I'm like, oh my God, how do you do this? Like, how do you do this all of the time? Breathing through your mouth, mainly at night when we're sleeping and not through your nose. So the reason you want to breathe more through your nose is it's actually much better for your nervous system. And it's actually a way just overall better for breath and calming your nervous system and it will help you get into a deeper sleep and a deeper REM sleep as well. So anyways, just some food for thought. But yeah, it's been about a week and trying to catch up here with some of my podcasts and whatnot. I have some amazing episodes recorded. I just haven't had the opportunity to record the intros and the outros, which is what I'm working on today. And then I'm heading into my period. So that's made me feel like a little bit on the downside as well, because I always feel like I'll be getting my period any day now. And I always feel just those few days before a little bit more tired, like moving a little bit more on the slow side. And so yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling. So it's definitely been a week of just feeling a little bit off. And I've had a few questions come in recently about PMS supplements and what do I take during my cycle? And you can definitely go back to podcast episode 57, where I talk about root causes of PMS. And then on podcast episode 40, I do talk about like sugar cravings and seed cycling for your hormones and PMS. And so I give some really great suggestions there. But a lot of the stuff that I do is because really for the most part, my cycle is pretty easy breezy, I will say. Like there are definitely some months where I get hit with a really bad migraine and or a headache or really bad cramps. And often that's just because if I look back on what's been happening like the month or two prior, there might have been more stress and maybe my sleep was off or diet was off. And then that definitely will affect your upcoming cycle. So what we do every day is really what's going to impact the health and the ease of our cycle. And so a lot of the stuff that I do, I've definitely mentioned many times on the podcast, especially supplement wise around my period. I love using the Organifi Harmony. I drink that product pretty like on the regular, but especially closer to my period because it has some really great herbs in there for women's hormonal health, like maca and chase tree berry and shatavari. And then it's also very chocolatey. So it's delicious. And we all love a little bit of chocolate around our cycle. So I do love to drink that. And I sometimes alternate between that or the Organifi Gold in chocolate because that one is really great for sleep and calming and has some lemon balm and magnesium. So I do like to drink that one at night, especially around my period. And especially if I am craving chocolate. A lot of the times we crave chocolate is because we want magnesium. Our body needs that magnesium and cacao is actually really rich in magnesium. So that's often why we crave it. So I do take magnesium 
And I take that pretty religiously, about 400 milligrams of magnesium bicalcinate before I go to bed. And then if my period, like if I'm having a kind of a rough go at it with my cycle and there's more cramping and just really feeling off in my body, I might take an extra magnesium during the day. So you definitely want to bump up the magnesium in that second phase of your cycle during your luteal phase. And then CBD all the way. It is so fantastic. You guys know I love eating hemp and I use their extra strength CBD oil definitely take that during your luteal phase. You will notice a huge shift with your moods and just with the symptoms overall. And I absolutely love their CBD salve. So that comes in a really nice stick and you just roll it onto your stomach. So if you are dealing with any cramps or anything like that, the salve is going to be really fantastic for that. So those are definitely some of my go-to products. And then CanPrav has a really great product called Cramp Relief. So if you do suffer with really bad cramps and they can be quite debilitating, that product is fantastic. So I always keep that product on hand. And even if I just take it like the day before I know I'm getting my period and I just take it on the day before and the day of, that alone, just those two days has helped me significantly. But If your cramps are a lot more debilitating, you might want to take that product like at least a week or two leading up. And it's so, so great. I really love it. So you can find CanPrev products. They're pretty much sold all across Canada. I've definitely had some people reach out saying, I can't find them. And that's because you're in the US. So if you are in the US, you would have to go online and shop and you can head on over to naturesource.com or Natural Nutrition. They both ship to the US and you can definitely find all the CanPrev products there. And one other product I'll throw in for the good mix, omegas. Your omegas are really potent and very powerful, anti-inflammatory, really important for hormonal health, for brain health, for your moods. So omegas are really important, but that's something that you could take all of the time. So I definitely recommend supplementing with them on the regular. So there's all kinds of great brands in terms of omegas and what you can take. And CanPrev did release these new omegas called Omega Twist, and they taste so good. It's literally like you're drinking a smoothie like right off of the spoon. So if you want to take it and also want to give it to your kids, then that's going to be a really good option because it tastes really good. And a lot of kids are, are finicky, right? So uh, definitely check out that product. And then of course, you guys know you can save over on eatenhemp.com. Use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES. Get yourself some CBD oil and the CBD salve. Use the code HEALTHYHORMONES for 20% off. And also same code on organic. Organifyshop.com. It's healthy hormones and that will save you 15% off. All right. So I hope that helps with some of your PMS symptoms. And again, go back and check out episode 57 and episode number 40 for some tips that I share there to help you through that time of the month. All right. So our guest today is Dr. Stephen Cabral. We are diving into the real reasons we are sick, tired, and overweight, and what we can do about it. We talk about environmental toxins and how to remove them and reduce them from really our body and our life and our environment. We talk about the power of intermittent fasting, and we also dive into intermittent fasting in regards to hormonal health and thyroid and adrenals and some things to be conscious with that. We dive into Ayurveda and how it can really help to accelerate your health results. We talk about gut health and digestion, all sorts of things. It's a fully loaded episode, and I really hope you're going to enjoy it. Again, my guest today is Dr. Stephen Cabral. He is a board-certified doctor of naturopathy and founder of the Equilife and the Integrative Health Practitioner Institute. He's also the author of the international best-selling book, The Rain Barrel Effect. After almost 20 years and over 600,000 pages of research study completed, dozens of certifications in the natural health field, and over a quarter of a million private client sessions, Dr. Cabral's knowledge, experience, and passion are at the top of his field. Dr. Cabral also owns his own podcast called The Cabral Concept, and to learn more or get a free copy of his book, visit stephencabral.com. Let's dive in. Enjoy. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to pick your brain today. I've got lots of questions for you. And before we officially dive in, I'd love it if you can share with our audience more about who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm Stephen Cabral. I'm a board-certified doctor of naturopathy. 
My disciplines are in functional medicine, mainly at-home functional medicine lab testing, as well as Ayurvedic medicine and integrative. Essentially, my story, I think like a lot of other natural health practitioners, started with me being really sick at 17 years old, meaning like having to leave school, I was so sick for quite some time. And conventional medicine doctors, even though they are brilliant, had no idea what was wrong with me. And so for two years, I was shuffled around Boston, Massachusetts, literally to the best Harvard-trained, MIT, Harvard-trained doctors going to Boston University, Tufts Medical School, et cetera. And no one had any idea what was wrong with me. They could see I was sick. I had swollen glands over my entire body. I was rapidly losing weight. My immune system was shutting down, but they didn't know how to help me. So flash forward two years later, I got introduced literally by chance. And this is in the late 90s. So there's no real internet, especially where I live in Medford, Massachusetts, where we were lucky to have a computer. But- <laughs> we found that there was this natural health practitioner. And like that was totally unknown to us, but we said, we have nothing to lose. Been a two dozen different specialists. Some told me it was all in my head. Others told me, hey, listen, we can see you're sick, but on your blood work, it looks, yeah, there's some things that are off, but nothing that we can majorly do. And then I go to this doctor and they started talking to me about all sorts of different parts of the human body in terms of like your adrenals and your gut, and your bacterial imbalances. And it was a whole new world. I didn't necessarily believe it, but when I started to run some labs, I started to see that things were very off. Now, from a science-based perspective and from how I grew up, we went back to my PCP. We said, look at these labs. And they said, oh, they didn't want to believe it, but they said, all right, let's run some labs now for autoimmune issues, right. for Addison's disease. And then they did diagnose me officially with Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is basically you stand up, you get lightheaded all the time, you feel weak, low blood pressure, exercise intolerance. I had allergies, insomnia, I ended up with type two diabetes. I was a mess to put it mildly. Now I found some brilliant natural health mentors. They showed me the way to essentially healing my body. And when I met my, I call her my eventual mentor, she put it all together and I finally got well. So happy to be disease-free. And there was a lot that happened along the way. I cut all that out, but that (laughs) led me to where I am here today. And I'm happy to be here. I try to teach others that no matter how long you've suffered, whether it was 10 years like me or shorter, you can get well once you find the underlying root causes keeping you sick. For sure. Well, what a story. Thanks so much for sharing that. At 17, like what caused all those? I mean, there's never one root cause. It's multiple things. Like what was that for you? Yeah. And it's good that you're stating that there is never one root cause because if only it was that simple, right? If it was like one food sensitivity or one vitamin deficiency. So essentially something that I've, I don't want to say that I coined the term. I'm just trying to get it out into the public that there's this thing I call the rain barrel. So once your rain barrel begins to fill up with water. So if people don't know what a rain barrel is, essentially you attach it to the gutters off your house and it collects all the rainwater off the house so that it doesn't ruin your lawn or your patio, et cetera. Right. But eventually it can overflow. And when it does, it still ruins your lawn or your patio. So you have to keep an eye on it. Well, our human body has this rain barrel capacity. And so for me, it wasn't one thing. It was allergies. It was eating fruity pebbles and drinking Kool-Aid for breakfast every morning. It was having right. a cold milk, homogenized milk with a bologna sandwich at lunch. It was all of the things wrong. Plus, when I was 14 years old, I had acne. I go to a dermatologist. They put me on amoxicillin. Now I had been used to taking amoxicillin childhood. Well, when you're on two capsules of amoxicillin for three years, it just destroys your gut. So I didn't know it back then. Didn't know it until I went to these natural health practitioners, but I had candida overgrowth. That was so bad. It grew up into my stomach and up my esophagus as well. So you can actually see it on a GI scope. Wow. I had SIBO, I had H. pylori. And so ultimately I had to repair those. I had to repair massive vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And also there's more to it in what I call now my de-stress protocol. I also had to work on stress because I was a type A. I was more of a perfectionist. I was a senior in high school. I was working. I was relationships, all these different things. And all that stress, plus the antibiotics, plus the poor eating, plus the working a job and playing sports, it just was too much for my body and my rain barrel overflowed. So- For me, it happened at an early age. Most people, mid-30s, 40s, the body's just been through a lot. It becomes overwhelmed. It can no longer maintain homeostasis and it begins to break down and we get our first symptoms of dis-ease and then eventually we get diagnosed with one in our 40s or 50s. 
for sure. So this kind of leads me to my next question, which I feel like you half answered, but I know we can dive in deeper. You've coached thousands of men and women over the years. And I'm just curious to see like what the commonalities are that you tend to see that really make people sick, tired, and unhealthy. What does that really look like? Yeah. So I always tell people, I can only choose two, two things to work on. That's it. It would be gut imbalances and stress. Mm -hmm. And if you only gave me those two, I could probably help people get back 80% of all their energy, their vitality, overcome their issues and help 80% of the population. So it's like, help those 80%, get back 80% with just working on those two things. Because inevitably, if it didn't start it with stress or the gut, it ends up being a, an after effect. Right. So what we do is we go in and we look for four things. And that's all you have to look for. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. H. pylori, parasites, candida overgrowth, or bacterial overgrowth, which is an imbalance in the gut. And then intestinal permeability, leaky gut. And that leaky gut leads to then all the autoimmune issues, the inflammation, et cetera, and everything I had as well. And then the stress part of it is the understanding that stress can be relationships, It can be family. It can be kids. It can be parents. It can be work. That's one part. And that matters because that also affects your immune system and your sleep, which is so important. But stress on the body can also be GI issues, the gut issues I just mentioned, pain, viruses, or heavy metal load. That's also a stressor in the body. So that's where we look. We run something we call the big five in an ideal world. Not everyone obviously can afford that, but we run the big five, which looks at all the toxicity someone has. And then all the deficiencies and how our practice is built is replenishing those deficiencies, the B vitamins that go down with stress, the magnesium that goes down with stress, vitamin D, if you live in Canada or Boston, Mm -hmm. like I do, eight months of the year, you don't get vitamin D, whether you like it or not. That's just the way that it is. So you have to get it somehow, right? So that's what we do. And then the toxicities are, well, we work 80% of our practice is women and women are actually exposed to more toxins than men. And so what we do is we try to just share with them, Hey, here's where we're most likely being exposed to these toxins. Let's try to do a one-for-one swap. Doesn't have to happen all at once. We want to be realistic. And then here's a functional medicine detox to begin to empty that rain barrel faster. Okay. So many things there. That was awesome. So in terms of like you mentioned detox, right. And environmental toxins and things that we're exposed to, what does that mean? Can you expand on that? And also expanding on like why women are more exposed. Yeah. So just two statistics that I always like to share is that the average woman is exposed to 126 different toxins before leaving their home in the morning, half of of which of those are cancer causing or carcinogenic. So the reason why, obviously nobody purposely exposes themselves to these things. I wasn't doing that as a teenager or early twenties when I didn't know, but what happens is the water we drink, if it's tap water, or ice cubes, or you just use it for your coffee or tea, you're still getting it. And so inside of that, you're getting aluminum. You're probably getting in some counties lead, even though they test for it, but we always know all these things pop up, some pharmaceutical drugs, and you're also getting fluoride. And we know that fluoride weakens the thyroid. We know that one out of five women used to be one out of eight, but now one out of five women end up with lower thyroid based levels, one out of 10 men. So all these things are affecting us, but that's just water. But if we look at Your shampoo probably has three to four items in it that are known to be toxic. Same with conditioner, same with your toothpaste. Things like triclosan is in toothpaste. It's in hand sanitizer. These things are very toxic to the human body. There's flame retardants. There's all these things that we're exposed to that we don't even know are on those items. And then it's the cleaning products as well. So we think that the scented air fresheners and all of these things are good for us, but they're not. They're actually all carcinogenic. So we try to just, again, take it simply, move through it. But one of the big things that we found is that, and this research is now, it's being done by the Environmental Working Group. It's a nonprofit, ewg.org. It's a great organization. And they found that they did a study called the 10 Americans. You might've already shared this before, but it's worth at least, I think, repeating if someone hasn't heard it, is that they tested these 10 Americans for 400 toxins. So keep in mind, when I wrote my book, there was about 77,000 in Europe, 77,000 allowed in the US and Canada. And now there's over 140,000 three years later. Now, this study was only a 400. So when we look at that, the average person of the 10 Americans tested for 232, which is wild. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. But the craziest thing was that these 10 Americans were unborn children. 
So this is in the mother's fetal cord blood with wow. already 232 toxins out of 400 that they tested for going directly into that baby. So we know that people are born already with that rain barrel filling up just a little bit. It doesn't mean that your baby's going to be unsafe or harmed, but it means that we can't overlook this anymore. It is a real issue. Right. Wow. That's wild. So the obvious thing is choose better products, choose cleaner products. That's one place to start. But the next steps, what would that look like in terms of really supporting the body and detoxing? Where would somebody start? So the good news is that our liver, our kidneys, our skin, our lungs are always detoxing all day long, which is great. But we also know that if you test anyone in the world and you do an environmental toxicity test, they might be heavy metal free, which is great. We just don't see it. We typically see a little bit of aluminum, even if they've gotten rid of mercury and arsenic and cadmium and lead. There's aluminum so pervasive in the environment with antiperspirants, aluminum foil, right. aluminum pans, spatulas. What's the other big one? And water, tap water has aluminum right. in it. Right. And so that's a tough one to get completely rid of. And, but you can still be healthy with a little aluminum. Your goal is to continue to remove these things from your body. But most people, it's quite a bit higher. So what we do is a functional medicine detox. And that's like a nice way of saying it helps ramp up your liver's phase one, phase two detox pathways to a much greater degree. And you don't really have to know how this works, but let's say that you're on a weight loss program and you're losing weight, or you did a fast and you start to get a headache, you start to get skin rashes, brain fog. You just don't feel great. Those are called Herxheimer reactions right. inside of your adipose tissue, your fat stores, and even your brain. It's about 200 to 300 times more toxic because when these toxins are in your blood, your body knows they can't stay in your blood. It will kill you. So it puts it somewhere safe if it can't detox all of it. So it puts in the fat cells and then these are fat soluble toxins. So like pesticides, bug sprays, these are again, like very dangerous. That's why if you use a bug spray, don't use a deep bug spray using something like an herbal armor, or there's like a Nantucket based spray. There's some good ones out there that are all natural because again, your skin is porous. So anything you put on it is going to get absorbed to a degree. So what we do is we ramp up phase one, phase two liver detox to help get these things out of your body faster. And it's nothing crazy. The first phase is your vitamins and minerals, certain B vitamins, methylated B vitamins, like methylcobalamin, methylfolate minerals, like zinc and selenium are very important. But then also in phase two, there's what's called sulfur-based amino acids. And this is things like N-acetylcysteine, which is kind of becoming more popular. People are talking about it because then it can help turn into glutathione, which is the big antioxidant in our body to help detox that we know when that starts to run short, our immune system isn't working as well. So these are great things to do. Like a functional medicine detox is a game changer for most people, seven, 14 or 21 days. It's simply the best thing that we've seen work in our practice. So if we're talking about like that 80, 20 rule, if the 20% of things that you could do that would get you 80% of the results, it would be a 21 day functional medicine detox. It really would. It's that powerful. And then you're not doing it every day of your life. So you're doing it for 21 days and then you have to then maintain those results. So then you right. try to not be exposed to as many things and eat cruciferous vegetables that will help your broccoli, your cauliflower, bok choy is one of my favorites, Brussels sprouts. Some people like not my favorite, but <laughs> you know, they all work. And that's very helpful for women, especially with estrogen dominance as well. For sure. So just going back to the top five, the tests that you were talking about, I'd love to dive into those a little bit deeper and what it is that you recommend. So I just want people to know that I'm an advocate for conventional medicine, for having a PCP. It doesn't mean like you should never go to your medical doctor, but the most that they're going to do is run blood work. And that's becoming less and less because insurance is simply not covering even things sure. like vitamin D. Right. So we have health insurance, just like most people. Obviously I've got two young daughters. I act as a doctor for our family, but if I can try to use my health insurance to get blood work covered for my daughters and my wife, then I'd love yeah. to do that. Yeah. So I just asked for a normal set of blood work, like normal set of blood work. And it cost us $800 for all really? the oh my extra tests, which is completely insane for just adding CRP, which shows inflammation in the body. And anyway, so you're better off. Sometimes there's a lot of labs that you can just run your own, but even if you just run your blood work is essentially showing the homeostasis of the body. It's something's off on your blood work. There's something really wrong with your body. Like that's the big thing. So right. what we do is the way that I got better and the way that most people get well is they look at what are the root causes 
that if even something was off in your blood work, why it's off. So one of the big five, I'll go through the gut testing first, just real quick. Bacteria and parasite stool test. It's going to look for bacteria and parasites, Mm -hmm. yeast, not the best way to look for yeast. I'll get to that one. And it's going to look for H. pylori. So that will literally tell you which one of the four issues you have with your gut. And sometimes it's two. I had three. The only thing I didn't have when I was getting myself well was parasites. So that's a good thing, of course, but I had to fix the H. pylori. I had to fix SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and I had to fix candida overgrowth and then seal up the gut wall. So that's the first one. The second is the candida metabolic and vitamins test. And again, all of these are done at home. This one's a urine sample that you send in. This one looks at yeast overgrowth. It looks at good bacteria. It looks at Clostridium difficile. Then it looks at your mitochondrial markers for energy. It looks at ketone markers. It looks at mood markers, like the metabolites of dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin. It looks at your vitamin levels for your B vitamins, vitamin C, and acetylcysteine. So super important test. And the last one is the IgG food sensitivity test, which looks at food sensitivities from a delayed response. Most people know I have friends and family, if they eat something like shellfish or mussels, then they get itchy skin, uh, headache, et cetera. Well, a delayed reaction is a day, two or three days later. That's an IgG response, not an IgE or IgA. And these are just white blood cells. What that means is that you could end up with joint pain the next day, brain fog the next day, skin rash the next day, or any symptom. And it's a delayed response to a food. So that's why we test for those because they're harder to figure out. And the last two labs are the omega-3 test. Everyone should run this lab. This is just a lot of people like, yeah, I probably get enough omega-3s, but are you? Like, that's the question. And if you get more omega-6s than omega-3s, you're going to have inflammation build up in your body. So that's an easy one as well. This is just like a finger stick, like you do for a glucometer. And then the last one is the stress hormones, mood and metabolism. This is a very popular one because it looks at estrogen to progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, cortisol throughout the day. Then it looks like a full thyroid profile. So not just TSH that your doctor will run, but free T3, free T4, TPO antibodies, hemoglobin A1C, vitamin D, And the last one is insulin. So that is an amazing test for women with PCOS, estrogen dominance, low thyroid, higher levels of stress, insomnia. It's just such a great test. It can answer so many questions. So that's the big five. And that is the ideal thing to run once a year, whether you're healthy or not, because if you're healthy, good, you want to stay healthy. And if you see numbers creep up, then you can fix them easily as they creep up. That's good anti-aging based work. So that's the ideal. And then of course there are individual labs within all that. If someone's not able to afford the big five. Right. Okay. Those are really great. The stress one that you were just talking about, which Mm -hmm. test is that one that you guys call the stress mood and metabolism test. Very cool. All of these my.com forward slash labs, and you can find all the labs there. And what I tell people too, is we are open sourcing integrative health and functional medicine. So that means we show you exactly what we do for all of our protocols, whether it's functional medicine detox, our CBO gut protocol, our daily foundation protocol, our labs, and you don't have to work with us specifically. We work with people all over the world, but you might have a great integrative health practitioner that you're working with. Then you say, what do you think about me running this lab? And then I'd be like, sure, we can run that lab. And as long as they have an expertise in it, you want to make sure the most important thing is not the lab. Like you can order labs almost anywhere now. For sure. The problem is it's the plan that comes with the lab. I work with a lot of practice. What's that? Interpreting the labs. Exactly. Yes. The interpretation and then the plan you get. So I saw more natural health practitioners than I did specialists over the next eight years getting well. And a lot of them had very good information. And I actually started to get better, but then I would relapse again. And it's because I wasn't putting together. A lot of people practice what's called green medicine. So if you have high cholesterol, they give you niacin or just red yeast rice. They don't actually figure out why do you have the high cholesterol in the first place, right? So what you want to do is those are okay recommendations. I'm okay with that, but you better be working on the underlying root cause because if not, if you fix the cholesterol, it's going to end up as high blood pressure going to end up as some other pathway. And so again, even as practitioners, it's okay to say, Hey, we don't specialize in that. Like we don't work with people with, we we do cancer support, but we don't work with people on natural health-based cancer therapies. That's just not something we do. So we offer that out to other people who do that. 
That's really great. Well, thanks for breaking that down. I'd love to switch gears a little bit and pick your brain on intermittent fasting. Cause I know this is something you talk a lot about and we definitely have a lot of women in our community and myself included. I used to intermittent fast for quite some time for quite a few years. And more recently I just stopped more recently. I was like, I need to eat 30 minutes within waking up. And the reason was because I was hitting this slump in the middle of the day, adrenal issues, thyroid issues. And I just thought this is just not serving me best right now. So I'd love your take on that. Cause it's one of the biggest questions we get a lot of the time is, should I do intermittent fasting? If I have adrenal fatigue and if I have thyroid issues, what's your take on that? Well, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. And so on my podcast, what I do is I just take one topic, one slice, talk about that for like 15 minutes or so, because we have to talk about overall, there's something called bioindividuality, which means what works for me may not work for you. Right. However, there's also a foundation of being a human, right? So all humans are not meant to eat all day long. That's part of the issue. We have a natural, what's called diurnal rhythm. And we know that cortisol levels are at their very lowest at 9.30 PM. Okay. Somewhere between nine and 10 for most individuals. That is the ideal time to go to bed. People will try to argue that, but you can't really argue the fact with human physiology that if you were to take away all the electricity and all the lights, we would be able to reset. So then we start to work backwards. We say, well, if you want to get the most deep sleep, so at least 90 minutes of deep sleep, at least two hours of REM, you want to increase your heart rate variability, you want to drop your body temperature, you need to stop eating at least two to three hours before bed ideally four hours. Okay. So now we're at 10 o'clock, let's say bedtime. Then we stop eating at six. So like, that's right about where it works out. Right. So you can, I mean, again, you can eat later if you want. It's okay. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just talking about optimal health, right? Like right. the very optimal. And then you say, well, what time am I going to wake up? Well, you might go to bed at 10. You might wake up at six, right? So you get eight hours of sleep. Okay. So now we're already at 12 hours and 12 hours is what's considered an intermittent fast. Now for someone like yourself and people have to understand that where you are today is different than where you will be two years from now or totally. where two years previous, right? So yep. things yep. can change. Like you're not a static individual. And we actually see people love doing long intermittent fasts when they first start. And the reason is there's two reasons. One, they've turned off their digestion. So all their digestive issues have now gone away until they eat again. <laughs> right. So they feel so much better, right? Because they don't get the bloating, they don't get the gas. Well, that's a sign. Again, don't mask it. Remember, this isn't conventional medicine. That sign is... If you get bloated after eating, it's not the food's fault if it's healthy food. It's a digestive issue of too much candida, too much bacteria that's fermenting these carbohydrates or this food or this protein or whatever it might be. So what I'll say is this. The other issue is that fasting is a stressor in the body. It's a good thing. Right. I believe that the closest thing we have to the fountain of youth is fasting. However, on a daily basis, most people in our practice do best with 12 to 14 hours. And if you do 16 hours, then ideally most of that is actually before bed because people in the West have fasting upside down. The very best time to not eat is at night and you'll get tremendous health benefits from that. Now, again, I have a family, two young daughters, we're not going to have not have dinner with them, right? So the best right. thing you can do is just try to move that up a little bit. But I'm telling you right now, if you track your sleep scores, Try just having a light dinner one night or nothing at all, mm -hmm. and you will see your scores climb. It's very impressive. So too many people are skipping breakfast when their body's already stressed. They're getting the kids ready. They're getting ready for work. They're commuting in traffic, and they don't realize that if your body's stressed, it produces cortisol. Cortisol is really its main job is to make is to break down glycogen and put glucose in your liver and put glucose in your blood. So whether you're eating food or not, it's putting sugar into your bloodstream anyway. So Again, for most people, I like around a 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. fast. And if someone's dipping in blood sugar, maybe like yourself, then you can eat within a half hour waking up. Nothing wrong with that at all. Right. Okay. I love that. And I love that you said like, we're not static. It was a conversation I had with our community not too long ago that where you were two years ago is not necessarily where you are now. And what worked for you two to three years ago doesn't mean that's the protocol and the thing you need to do now. I think so many of us just get so stuck that it has to be just this one way, or it's going to be this one thing that magically makes everything better. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And we have to dig deep and keep changing and just be open to that and open to like the flexibility of it. So thanks for mentioning that. 
100%. So in terms of the biggest mistake that people make with intermittent fasting, you mentioned perhaps just eating too late. Is that like, what are some of the biggest mistakes? Well, it's believing that 15 hours is better than 14 hours or 16 hours is better than 14 hours because you have to fast 12 Mm -hmm. to get those bigger autophagy-based benefits. Right. However, I did a lot of research on this and I did a show on this that the real autophagy begins at about 18 to 24 hours. So then there'll be people out there who say, well, that's why you should only do one meal a day. The problem with one meal a day is that it seems to only work well for men. And that's because their hormones are not as dependent on stress. So for example, if you increase cortisol levels for two, three weeks, chronic stress, women are going to see a drop in thyroid. So they'll see their TSH go up. That means the body, the brain keeps calling for more thyroid. And that's because norepinephrine, a stress neurotransmitter, stress hormone blocks T4 from becoming T3 and cortisol blocks T3 from becoming active. And sometimes it changes it to reverse T3. So inevitably the metabolism starts to slow women and men. I'm not saying men, this can't happen to, they start to get cold hands and feet, poor circulation, thinning of the hair, dry skin. And they're like, well, it can't be intermittent fasting because it was working so well for so long. Mm -hmm, And the problem is, well, you're fasting till lunch or you're fasting till dinner. And now it's caught up with you. You're becoming more catabolic. So that's why, again, like what worked in a short period of time doesn't mean it's going to work for a long period of time. And so what we do different, that is we use the short, we understand it's only going to work for a short period of time. And then we immediately start to add back in foods that are going to cut cortisol whether it be some berries, whether it be a little bit of sweet potatoes, some starches that cut cortisol. So that is predominantly what we're doing. And we're looking at the hormone levels as well. And so if we run that stress mood metabolism test, someone's already at 3.2 for TSH, already high evening cortisol. No, they're not going to do anything past a 12 to 14 hour intermittent fast maximum. Okay. That's great. I love that. And then in terms of 24 hour fasts, I know some people like to do like a once a week, 24 hour fast. Mm -hmm. What are your takes on that? It's funny because people will say, well, you just said not to do that, but no, it's what you do every day. Right. So I'm talking about everyday life. Yes. And then I'm talking about, so for example, and I practice what I preach on Mondays. So three out of four Mondays a month, one Monday, again, life happens. And I'm like, I've got to do this and this. It's not gonna be smart for me not to eat. Right. So three out of four Mondays though, I stop dinner. So I have dinner with my family Sunday night. Then I don't eat all day on Monday but then I have dinner on Monday night. So it's a 24 hour fast, but I'm still eating each day. So there's many reasons to do this. And many people, it would be greatly beneficial. The only people that it, you know, I can't say the only, but some of the people that it wouldn't work for are those people with hypoglycemia, Mm -hmm. low adrenals, low cortisol output. They're already very stressed. This is just, again, one more stressor and those with low thyroid. But once you heal that, which should only take 12 to 16 weeks, you can go back and you can gently, I actually recommend starting with what's called like a one day reset diet where you're doing daily nutritional support shakes every four hours. So you're getting nutrients, but not a lot of calories. So what that means is you're getting amino acids, you're getting vitamins and minerals to keep your body going because it's micronutrients, not the macros. And that can often be a really nice transition than just using water or herbal teas. So I'm a big fan of the once a week. And then every 12 weeks, we do a longer one, a functional medicine detox, because remember at 24 hours, amazing benefits. But if you can go 48 hours, you just get much deeper into autophagy, actually killing cancer cells in your body and so much more. So that's our functional medicine detox. And it really incorporates two and a half days of the liquid fasting. So just to get the nutrients to stave off Herxheimer reactions and keep that autophagy going. That's awesome. I love that. And have you tested your blood sugars ever during this time or like your glucose? Have you monitored that with a continuous glucose monitor? Yes, I have. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of companies that I looked at and I ended up settling on a company called Nutrisense and it was, that's it's a great app. Is that what you use? Yeah. Oh, that's that's one that I didn't I want use, to mention yeah. like the company name. And then I'm like, Oh, you might recommend another company, yeah, but okay. I really like their app. Yeah, because really they're all using the same CGM. There's only two different CGMs in the world. And so they're using one of them, but it rates your meals. And it also shows though, listen, like the same meal 
eaten on a different day can have a different reaction in your body. And so that's why you are not a static human being. So I love a CGM, even if people only use it for one month, I, I think it's well worth it. I really do. And you can test so many things. So I tested all sorts of things that I was just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. And I think it is great. And so I am someone that also drops towards low blood sugar about an hour after waking. So for me, I do eat about an hour to an hour, 15 minutes after waking. And that leaves me at about 13 and a half to 14 hours for an intermittent fast. Awesome. That's yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. And the reason I brought up the CGM is because my husband and I recently did it. And it's just so wild to see the difference between male and female and especially men. I find that for the most part, like most healthy men, especially men who are weightlifting and have decent muscle mass, like their blood sugars are just so stable. Yeah. His barely budged and mine were really great as well, but I didn't have massive spikes or anything like that, Mm. but just so different to just the difference between men and women. And obviously women are cycling. Like it's just so, yeah, it's so wild to see that difference there. So he does really well with 24 hour fasts and I'm not quite there yet. So with your 48 hour fast, or just to go back to that real quick. So you are hydrating Mm -hmm. with like just water or herbal tea, like non-caffeinated, and then you're just doing like vitamin mineral replenishment. Well, it's part of our functional medicine detox. So it's an entire protocol that gives you the nutrients for phase one and phase two detox. detox. Got it. If this was early 1900s, so just about a hundred years ago or before, the bioregulatory medicine practitioners, they would just take people and water fast them. Right. I would say it's actually pretty dangerous right now to water fast someone. And two days is probably going to be okay for most people, but you start breaking down adipose tissue. And as I said before, all those fat soluble toxins that have been stored there are now in your bloodstream. And if you are not equipped with phase one, phase two nutrients, it's mainly phase two that people are missing because I think people are taking like a daily activated multivitamin or something. So they're getting some vitamins and minerals, but they're not getting sulfur-based amino acids. They're not getting methionine. They're not getting taurine. They're not getting N-acetylcysteine or glutathione. So now what happens is the liver completes half of the detox and it ends up as what's called an intermediary metabolite. It's a free radical. And so you're building up free radicals in your body, which creates more inflammation, which creates again, the headaches and all the detox-based reactions. So your job is just to get it out of the body faster. So the functional medicine detox gives you those nutrients, but also I just want to say to people, if they're ever feeling those symptoms, things are very helpful. Going for a walk, doing dry brushing, making sure you're not constipated getting more fluid in all of these things. You only have four ways to really detox. The main way is the liver to the bowels. So to have a bowel movement, then the next is urine through the kidneys and bladder. And then it's through your skin. So sweating is a nice way to help that can actually help get rid of heavy metals, which has been proven and even mold. And then the last way is huffing it out through the lungs. Not too much comes out that way, but at least you can get a little bit out. So those things will dramatically reduce Herxheimer based reactions as well. Awesome. Thanks for breaking that down. Okay. Switching gears again, because I really want to talk about Ayurveda because I know this is something that you practice and we don't often talk about it on the podcast. So I would really love to dive in. If you could just maybe give a brief overview of what it really means, Ayurvedic medicine and how that differentiates from maybe functional medicine, what that really means. Yeah. So Ayurvedic medicine is the oldest form of medicine in the world. It was first written down about five, 6,000 years ago, and it became the basis of all other forms of medicine. So it traditional Chinese medicine in China. So traditional Chinese medicine is a version of Ayurvedic medicine. However, they have their own spin on it. They have their own climate. They have their own people. They have their own food. They have their own culture. So that traditional Chinese medicine is its own unique way. And people are like, well, they didn't invent acupuncture. And I would say, well, they had almost the exact same points called marma points. And so they had more points and acupuncture has acupuncture. And, and so they have their meridians as right. well. So it's interesting, but really what Ayurveda is, it's eight different branches, but the branch that we're talking about is Ayurvedic medicine. Yoga is one of those branches, but it's literally translates to the science of life. So it looks at an individual and their constitution. So it looks at three main body types, the Vata, the Pitta, and the Kapha, and it shows the uniqueness of each person where it basically says to people, you are not meant to be 
looking like your friends and your friend is not meant to look like you. We have to start to respect our body type. But again, I always go back to foundations, but everybody should be in good shape, be in good health for their own body. And so that's really what we look at is returning the body to its natural state. And then modern science rediscovered Ayurveda in their own unique way in the 1950s or so with somatotypes. And they came up with the ectomorph, the mesomorph and the endomorph, which is basically a play, a a diluted version of the Vata Interesting. I actually didn't know that, or I never thought to make the correlation between the Mm. two. Yeah. That's really wild. So you did this really great post about the Ayurveda body clock. Can you explain Mm. that? Yes. And that looks at, again, it's always amazing. How did they know what they knew five, 6,000 years ago? Now that's what was written down. They've been practicing probably 10,000 years. So how do they know these herbs work for this? How do they know that this is when the body is meant to do it? But again, we're still finding out to this day, all the amazing things that they knew. And we're backing it up now through clinical research, but there's also volumes on Ayurvedic clinical research and studies right now. For example, they do something called Panchakarma. I did clinical internships overseas in India and Sri Lanka, China, Europe, all over. And Panchakarma is really unique to Ayurvedic medicine. So modern medicine is like, well, maybe is there anything to this? So they actually studied it and they looked at things like DDT, which has been banned for like 50 years now in people's bodies. And they actually saw the reduction after Parchakama. So it's pretty impressive of what they're doing. And a lot of it is the special diet. And then it is the specific massage they do with certain oils that, what does that do? It moves the lymphatic system. And then after that, they're doing enemas. Why? Because they're basically mobilizing the blood gets to the liver, the toxins go into the bile, and now it has to get out of your body quickly. So it's not just random. And then they're also trying to help the liver out by what? Sweating. So they're helping people sweat. And so you're doing this like literally throughout the day. It's very impressive. I forget your question. Now. <laughs> The body clock. Oh, the body <laughs> the clock, Ayurveda yeah. body clock. I don't know how I got to Panchakama from body clock, but <laughs> what it does is it shows that there are certain times of the day that correlate with what they call. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm a Kapha body type, so I'm meant to wake up at this time. It's not how it works. Kapha describes heaviness, density, sluggishness, where Vata describes movement, air, etc. And Pitta is more digestion, fire, transformation. So it's Ayurveda, this is not like pick up a book and Ayurvedic for, for whatever, and, and you're good to go. So it just takes a little bit, but it's really interesting to study. And so that's, that's why I do recommend it. What I'd like to share is this, is that it shows that humans should be waking up somewhere between six and eight in the morning. And the way that we back this up is that we, in research, run a lot of labs on people and you say, okay, well, interesting thyroid begins to kick up at 4am in the morning and starts to peak around six cortisol starts to peak around six to 8am. Interesting because cortisol is what essentially wakes us up, gives us energy. Mm -hmm. Melatonin begins to increase as the sun begins to set naturally. Cortisol begins to drop to even a greater level. So when we look at that, we say there are specific times of the day dictated by the different body types. So six to 10 in the morning, more of the sluggishness hours. That's more of the kapha, which means if you are looking to lose weight to do your exercise, don't have your biggest meal, eat something easy to digest. Now, if you're a vata body type, you're already sympathetic nervous system dominant, you're on go, you don't need to lose weight, probably not the best time to work out. Then 10 to two is the time of strongest digestion transformation. Good time to have your largest meal of the day. And I know that in the Western-based culture, we typically have that at night, but truly digestion is strongest midday, unless you're overly stressed, that's a different story. And then we get into the two to six, which is the Vata-based time of the day. And that is a time for a lot of times creativity, going for a walk, movement, do your to-do list, et cetera. And there's a lot that goes into it. And then six to 10, back to that Kapha time of the day. What does that mean? Winding down, sluggishness getting ready for bed. Right. Don't eat too much after 6 PM. Cause it will, at least for people that are more prone to waking, probably add to more body fat. Now, ectomorph, different story. All right. I love that. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Before I let you go, I would love to know what are some of your non-negotiables right now? Things that are the absolutes so that you can feel your absolute best. Yeah. It's a great question. I'm a huge fan of non-negotiables and I've tried to live by that a lot of my life, but didn't really know what I was doing. And part of it was that 
if you're someone who likes to do like a lot of different things in life, there never seems to be like, there's like enough time. And for me, I said, well, we get this certain amount of time on this earth. And then we get a certain amount of time this day. I just need to choose what's most important to me and start to prioritize that. But I found that you can't go full speed ahead all day long. That's kind of what got me in trouble when I was younger. <laughs> right. So you, you need to have like this ebb and this flow and you need to be in a more relaxed state. So what I realized was this, is that if I wake up 90 minutes, 60 to 90 minutes, 60 minutes minimum, 90 minutes before the rest of the world, which means like my virtual work team and private wellness clients and, and also my family, that I have quiet time to myself. So that's essentially my time to read, to do anything that I'm looking to do for me. Right. And people might say, well, that's selfish. That's this, that's that. You have to understand is that after that though, if I got a little bit of me time, I'm no longer looking for that during the day. Now it's everybody else's time, right? So now, okay, if my daughter say, hey, do you want to play this game, play that? It's a yes. I've done what I need to do for me. I can't really ask for more than that. I have other commitments. And then I like to get one more, which is my workout mid-afternoon. And it's short, it's only 30 minutes, but I like to get that in. So that's again, like a little bit of me time. So what do I do during those times? Well, that might be listening or watching to a YouTube video, anything like that doesn't happen during the day. It's, it's work. And then before bed, just non-negotiable is that I try to, we try to get our kids to bed by 7.38. And then my wife and I have an hour to watch, you know, one of our favorite shows, whatever it might be to read, to just talk. And so those are essentially non-negotiable. They're more lifestyle. Once you start to eat healthy, once you start to move your body, those are just built in. Like, of course I'm doing that today. Like, I don't need to think about it anymore because it's right. part of who I am but it's the time that's difficult to schedule. You'll do it if you schedule the time. So I just schedule the time. Yeah, I can absolutely relate. It's all in my calendar. And if it's not in there, it is just not happening. So yeah, exactly. yes. I can totally appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all your knowledge. Where can our audience connect with you and find you? So the main hub, the main website is stephencabral.com and it's Stephen with a PH. My book is there, The Rain Barrel Effect. You'll end up being able to find the podcast, The Cabral Concept. And the company that I work virtually with that I founded that helps people with labs and these protocols is Equal Life. So anyway, you can find that on the main website, stephencabral.com website. And then I mainly hang out on Instagram and awesome. that's just my name, Stephen Cabral. So yeah, appreciate Amazing. you having me on today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We will have all of that in the show notes. So thanks again. Thank you so much, ladies, for being with me today. I hope you have an amazing day, and I really hope you enjoyed our episode. You can go connect with Dr. Stephen Cabral over on Instagram at Stephen Cabral. You can also head to his website, stephencabral.com. And if there's any aha moments you had during our episode or any questions you have, don't hesitate to connect with me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie. Thanks again, ladies. Have an amazing day. Chat with you next week. Take care. Oh.